Hey, this is Matt Cook from CBS's Man with a Plan, and you are listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. You're A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Matt, welcome to the cave. Thank you so much for having me. How are you, man? What's new with you? Uh, not too much. Kind of just hanging out at the moment. <laughs> yeah. How's the quarantine life treating you? Uh, so far, so good. I mean, we've been very lucky. Uh, my fiance and I just moved into a new place just before the quarantine uh, was in effect. So we've just been here and getting the place set up. And luckily, uh, I'm a gamer and I have... Uh, seemingly infinite number of video games to play during this time. So just trying to make the most of it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean, you have busy the last few years, you know, you've done various TV show roles and now you start on the sitcom man with a plan, but I want the listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from? Uh, I, I was born in Pennsylvania, but I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, and I spent a lot of time going back and forth between those two. My dad was in the coast guard. We got stationed on the Jersey shore but my whole family, my extended family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, they all live uh, still in Pennsylvania. Uh, so I – oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was say, what did you enjoy more, uh, New Jersey or Pennsylvania? Uh, I think they're both great. Uh, it was pretty – it was a pretty great situation because Pennsylvania, we had the mountains. And then in Jersey, I was on the beach. So it was the best of both worlds. So as a kid growing up, like what were you into? Uh, mostly comic books and video games and animation. Uh, I really wanted to be a cartoonist when I was young and I was trying to become an animator and I loved all of that stuff. And then eventually I realized I did not have the patience for that. <laughs> and I had, I had more fun making the faces myself rather than drawing them. Right. Really? What were some of your favorite comics? Uh, Spider-Man always and X-Men. Uh, as a really little kid, I loved the old Super Friends cartoon, and I had this incredible Super Friends poster in my room for most of my life. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned video games. What were some of your uh, favorite uh, consoles back then? Uh, I mean, my probably my all-time favorite video game is Metal Gear Solid which was on the first PlayStation. And I remember I got that and it just rocked me. There were things that had never happened before in a video game and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, the stuff, like the alternate endings and the different unlockables that you could replay with depending on what happens at the end and whether or not you succeed in the when you're being tortured. Uh, there was just so much about it that was really exciting and really cool and the psychomantis fight was just impossible there was no internet there was no real way to figure it that's out right, i had one right. friend i had a friend that was like dude you have to do this and i could not believe that someone was crazy enough to make that a mechanic in a game and i loved it do you remember back back then we had to buy the magazines just to try to figure out how to yeah. beat certain levels yeah, you had to look at the back <laughs> and like every now and then and they used to maybe maybe once a year you would get a demo disc right and then they became like all of them had demo discs eventually. But 
but the magazines were our only source of information, so you had to really stay up on those, which was fun. So uh, what's your big uh, – what's your system now, your go-to? Right now I'm on PS4 pretty much primarily. Uh, I have a, a good group of friends that we play Overwatch together. I've been playing Overwatch since the night it came out consistently. Wow. Uh, it is so fun. Uh, and then I just started playing Warzone, uh, the Call of Duty Battle Royale game. Yeah, how, how how is the battle royale? I haven't had that. I've beat the game, but I haven't played that part yet. It's really fun, and it's not something I usually enjoy. Like Fortnite, I think I've just aged out of Fortnite. I'm just too old. I don't have that. Like I remember being a kid and playing PlayStation. My dad being like, "I'm too old for this." Yeah, and I was like, "What's gonna happen? What's gonna be the game that makes me feel too old?" And it's Fortnite when people are jumping and getting headshots and building castles at the same time. I just can't keep up. Yeah. But with Warzone, you can kind of plan out your strategy a little bit more. It's still there's still a random element where you have to hope you get the good stuff. But uh, it's really fun, and the map is huge, and it's all that Call of Duty gameplay, which their mechanics are so good. Yeah. Uh, it's a blast. Yeah, I never got into Fortnite. I'm 42 years old, so I'm all about like the old systems. And I have an yeah. Xbox One, and all I've been playing lately has been Madden because my I have two young kids. They're not gonna let me play adventure yeah. games right now. You know, at least I can pause <laughs> Madden and go deal with them. You know, and yeah, that's great. How old are your kids? Uh, my daughter just turned five, and my son is two. Oh wow! Yeah, I started late. <laughs> No, still that's great. Those are such great ages. They're oh, gonna yeah. be. They're gonna really. You're gonna start fighting them for the controller soon. Soon, soon. So, like growing up, did you know you wanted to get into the acting world? What was the next thing you did? Um, I didn't. I mean, for a long time, I really was focused on animation, and then I slowly started to feel the the call. I guess, which yeah. feels crazy to say, but uh, I mean, my family, they're all really remarkable storytellers. And so there was always a little bit of performance happening no matter what. And uh, I was scared of jumping in. And then I remember my freshman year of high school, the auditions came for the musical and I chickened out and I was so mad at myself. And I swore that I would never not go for something again because it just sucked. I was so, I was so mad at myself that I was too scared to go. And so the next year, 10th grade, I went out for the music man and I, and I got cast. Uh, I don't know how many kids didn't get cast. I think it was, I don't think the, the, the bar was too high that you had to hit, but I did get cast, um, as like a few little one liner parts in the chorus and stuff. And then it was just full speed ahead from there. Or like. So when you're when you're at that age, like what were some of your favorite movies and TV shows that you enjoyed watching that made you go towards this too, that pushed you toward it? I remember, I for me, I very much remember uh, watching when I was very young, Monty Python and the Holy Grail with my dad, and seeing my dad really laugh. And that movie is so great because it's wildly silly, but it's also there's parts that are really intelligent and, and really kind of highbrow mixed in with the lowbrow stuff. And so that's, that movie stuck with me my whole life. And I always go back to that because there's, I love it so much. Uh, but that and Ghostbusters is something also that I've, the original that I just keep loving more. 
uh, the more I watch it at different stages of my life. Um, but those were my two big ones. I think I'd say Ghostbusters and Holy Grail were the ones that I was like, Oh, that's, that's magical. That stuff. How bummed are you? We have to wait a whole nother year for that Ghostbusters movie. Pretty bummed. Uh, that trailer is fantastic. And I am, uh, yeah, I'm anxious to see what they do. When I, when I watched it, I watched it like five times in a row. My, my yeah. wife and my daughter was like, what are you watching? I was like, it's Ghostbusters. Like I've been waiting for this for how many years? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. So I, so you started doing theater and then uh, what was the next step after that for college? Uh, well, for college, I continued through. I went to Ryder University and they had a and they still do. They actually now have become primarily a performing arts school. But when I went there, they were known for their uh, education uh, and business departments, which were great. But they had this really remarkable little theater program that offered a full tuition scholarship for uh, four year, full paid, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, these guys must be pretty serious. And so I went there and I checked it out and I met a few kids that had that had or were going there and uh, I ended up getting in. And that was a really formative experience for me because Ryder had faculty members that were directing main stage shows. And then we had a theater honor society called Alpha Psi Omega, where the students were in charge and you could make your own stuff. And so pretty quickly, I started to write in like the sketch show that they did and uh, there was always improv shows going on and then other students were producing their own plays that either they were writing or that they just loved and they wanted to do a performance of this play in this black box theater that we had and that was just four years of focus on what acting is and what my voice is and um, that was a really really special time. So uh, while you were going there, was your focus more on acting or did you think at first you were like, you know what, maybe I'll stick behind with the writing and directing or like, what was your goal? Uh, it was definitely acting. Um, that was my focus because I felt like that was the tool I could make sharpest the soonest. Yeah. Um, so I was focused very much on learning how to be an actor so that I could someday do more. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I felt that I had to pick one road and go down that. And eventually there would be a fork in the road where I could go do some other parts of this thing. So how did you uh, end up in LA? Uh, after college, uh, I worked for the summer and I had friends that lived in the New York area and a lot of people were going to New York and I just thought I had a better shot in L.A. Uh, the comedy theaters out here, Groundlings right. specifically, was calling to me from across the country. Uh, and I felt that in New York, you had to act. You had to be able to sing far better than I could and dance uh, far smoother than I could or still can. Uh, and so it just seemed like my best bet was to get out into L.A., get into a comedy theater, learn as much as I can and shoot for television. And then again, the plan was to do this step in order to get to the next step. Uh, so it was very much the same yeah. mathematical equation. 
So you became a member of the Groundlings. Like, how was that experience, man? You had a lot of people that came out of there, you know, SNL and actors and like, yeah. Like, how was your experience with that? It's been amazing. And that was, the Groundlings was sort of a common thread that I kept finding running through all of my favorite people and all of my favorite shows and movies. And I started to say like, oh man, all these, all of these people that I adore all came out of this one little building. What is that? And when I moved to LA, my uncle lives out here and he said, you need to go to Groundlings. And he took me to a show and I saw uh, my first Groundlings show and it, and it blew my mind. And I remember one of the sketches that was in that first show was the David Blaine street magic that was written by Mikey Day and Michael Naughton. And it became one of the first like viral videos uh, and, but it was, it was before they shot the video. It was when they were doing it live in the show. And yeah. to see that thing live as I think I was 22, just moved to LA, my mind exploded. And I thought, yeah, this is where I need to be. And what I like about Groundlings is that it's character focus, it's point of view. It's, it's not necessarily dependent on, uh, how great your idea is but how committed you are to the character you're playing. And so I, I dove in right away and I've been there ever since. So you started taking classes with them first. Is that what it is? Yeah. So groundlings, you have to take classes and, and the classes are uh, pass fail. So you have to, you have to pass every stage of it to get to the next part. And so the first two levels are improv focused, and then the next two levels are writing focused. So the idea is you get comfortable playing characters on your feet, and then you start to really try to write for the characters that you've been coming up with over the last couple of years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And then the top, the top tier of the school is the Sunday Company, which is you do a new sketch show every week for six months. Oh, wow. And, and at the end of six months, the main company votes on you whether you stay or go. And then if you stay, you do another six months of a new sketch show every week for six months. And then again, you get voted on stay or go. And then if you stay, you do another six months. So you do a year and a half of writing nonstop, doing shows nonstop. And that was the best training I ever could have hoped to have. Did you ever have um, anybody that, you know, like graduated from ground leagues that came back to just to perform with you guys? Yeah, we have alumni hop on stage a lot, and it is so much fun. Um, and we recently just did, it was recently the 45th anniversary of the theater, which is incredible. And they did a big anniversary weekend where they did these two uh, alumni shows, and they did, like, the the alumni from literally when the theater opened to like 1999 and they did 1999 until today and then all any alumni that wanted came back and did one of their favorite sketches in the show and i got to see both of those shows and it was phenomenal uh and other than that too we do like like a lot of improv shows sometimes people come in i've been lucky enough kristen wig has come back and i've been able to do a few shows with her um and i actually waited on i told her this but i waited on her my first job in la was at Maggiano's at the Grove and one afternoon it was dead and it was her first season on SNL and it was maybe my second month in LA and she came and sat down and I, I lost my mind <laughs> and yeah and I had George Lucas walk in front of me one time and I was like that's cool but Kristen Wiig I, I fell apart so when you told her that story to you how, what did she say to you she she remembered me 
uh, and she said that I was the first person that recognized her because wow. uh, she was brand new on SNL and she was just coming out of Groundlings and all that stuff. And but she's so sweet and so funny. Uh, and and yeah, the alumni community is really, really cool. And they're always coming in and out of the theater. And it is what makes that place so special every day. Mm. Who's been your favorite to perform with from the alumni? Ooh, there are, I mean, there are honestly so many that I can't even pick one. Yeah. It's such a blast because the Crazy Uncle Joe show is our, is our Wednesday night long form show. And the main cast of that show are all alumni and they are some of the funniest, kindest people like Stephanie Courtney, who plays Flo in the progressive ads is probably one of my all time favorite improvisers and and humans just in general but like there there's those guys it's it's stephanie and roy jenkins and brian palermo and jordan black and ted michaels and they're all they've done so many things and they're so great um when i was a student i did a lottery show where when like they had they had current member current main company members and alumni do stuff with students and my name got pulled and i got to do a show with taron killam who was on snl for a little while he's on a show right now he's the best um I don't know. There's a million people. It's yeah. it's just it's so fun and awesome. everybody's so great. So when you started doing your auditions and everything, your I don't know. Let me let me make sure I got this. I get this right. Your first gig, okay. Your first gig was that on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, tell me about that. I mean, that show to this day is fantastic. Yeah, that was my first real big gig, um, and I went and. I got the audition through one of my uncle's friends came and saw me doing I me and my friends we had this like sketch group for a long time where we were doing shows as much as we could all all around town and one of my uncle friends came with them to see the show and then she was like oh you should see this you should see this kid to her friend who was casting and so they called me in and I auditioned for Curb and then months went by and I didn't hear anything cuz the part that I auditioned for they cut out of the thing and then they called me months later and they're like, okay, we're going to bring you in for this episode. Uh, and it was very nerve wracking and they give you, I mean, it's heavily improvised. And so they have like just a few beats, like the sides, the script are just beats. Larry does this, Larry does this, Larry does this. And then you just kind of work it out. And so my job was very simple. I was just a waiter that was supposed to be, you know, supposed to get, yeah. Uh, it's sort of in trouble. Uh, and it was, it was wild how open the set was and how malleable the, the script was and how intent everyone that worked on that show was in getting the best product. Uh, it was, it was really, really fun. So now recently you started on you still, well, you still star on Man with the Plan, which has returned for what the fourth, se- fifth season, right? Fourth season, fourth right season, now, yeah. In which I watched the latest episode last night, and uh, it, is it just me? This show just gets funnier and funnier every week. I think so. It's been such a blast, and I think the more that the writers are able to build on the existing relationships, and the characters are growing, and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper into their lives, and. With that, it keeps getting funnier. So, like, when you first heard about this project, like, what drew you in? Like, tell us about your audition for this. 
Well, when I got the audition, it was for the untitled LeBlanc Philgo pilot. And I was like, oh, does that mean Matt LeBlanc? And then sure enough, it, it did. Um, and the role was, uh, it was pretty much exactly what ended up being in the pilot when we shot it, which was this, this guy, the other father at the school. Yeah. And when I read it, I kind of felt like in the overall <laughs> script, it was my job to be uh, Adam, to be Adam's worst case scenario. I was like, oh, I'm I'm what his nightmare is, is is if by staying by home and watching the kids and and giving up what he thinks is his manly that. yeah. stuff, then that's that's what he's going to become is this guy in this hallway. Uh, and so I got I got excited about that. And that kind of led me to the idea that what would be what would make this situation of this character being in the school with all these people he doesn't know worse is having the one guy cry a little. I was like, Adams, the character of Adams, a manly man, Lowell should not be. And so I did a thing in my audition where I got really choked up at the idea of beer because it's been so long since I've had anything manly in my life. Uh, and then that ended up staying in and I got the part and it, and it made it into the uh, pilot and it's that's it. And I've been there ever since being hyper emotional. At first, was your role supposed to be a recurring role? Because it seems like your role just got bigger and bigger. Yeah, it, it was It was uh, a recurring. I, I was uh, one of the main characters right out the gate, but they have really brought me in a different direction that is uh, so cool and very flattering because it makes me feel like they trust me. Uh, and to be an actor and to have so many people writing such fun stuff for me and working so hard to make it make sense that this little man from the school is now part of the family and right. works in the family business and all that. Like they've really done some incredible stuff for me and it's been so much fun. Like, so how would you describe Lowell? Like, uh, I would say that Lowell is a little, ball of sunshine trapped in a cage uh and that cage is a million different things right. but he's he's always trying to do his best and he's he loves the people in his life and uh he tries real hard and he's very orderly but there always seems to be something blocking his his way he always tries to be the nice guy he always gets himself in trouble by saying something and then adam is always yelling at him yeah, exactly. I think I think he didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of socialization growing up, so he's he's got a lot to learn, uh, and and the Burns family's teaching him. Right. Uh, so, do you th have you found a like? What's your biggest challenge portraying Lowell? Have you had any challenges portraying him? I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge because I. Honestly, the biggest challenge is I get so excited about being there really? <laughs> that, I, that my energy level can skyrocket. So it's the, my, my tightrope is how do I give as much energy as I can give without making it way too much? Because we filmed the show in front of a live audience and coming out of theater, it's my job to hit the back row. Um, but when the camera is on you and it's a close up, that is too much. So 
you kind of have to navigate those two worlds. It's theater, but it's also television. Um, acting for the stage and acting for the camera are two very different types of acting, and trying to thread that needle is something that has been very fun and very challenging and very educational for me. So if Lowell was a real character, like a real person, would you be friends with him? Um, that's a great question, and I really don't know. I think so. I, th- I would hope so. I really love Lowell, and I would like to be a little bit more like Lowell. Uh, I feel like he really has his stuff together in, in certain elements, and then I've got my stuff together in ways that he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think so. I think he's a good guy to have around. He always seems to have some kind of fix on him. Actually, my next question was like, do you have anything in common with your character? Yeah, I both Lowell and I think LeBlanc is the coolest dude ever. <laughs> uh, so it's that's not a very that's the easiest part of my job is to be like, oh, I have to think this dude is cool all day. That's easy. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Like, so how is it working with the cast? Because you have a great cast, you know, like you say, you have LeBlanc, you have Neilan. It's like, yeah, it's like it's like a dream team. It really is. It is the most fun and I feel guilty being there because I have such a good time and it's been really amazing that we've gotten to spend this much time together and I've never had a job that's gone this long and for this cast to be as kind as they are and as professional as they are is really really special And our crew is the same way. Like everybody on this show is so excited and so grateful to be there. And it's a true delight to work on. Uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, and then it's, and then, but then sometimes it it is, it can be too much fun. And I have to be like, okay, wait, we got a job to do. We got to focus up. Uh, But if Kevin starts laughing, I'm done. It's I'm, there's no way I can survive it. I just, I fall apart. And he plays his character very well in that show. Yeah, he's he is so deeply funny, and and just the best guy. I, and that's everybody. Everybody's so funny. They're so good. Uh, it's it's a ball. It's a dream job. Right, right. So like you have you've had a lot of scenes with Matt and Kevin. Like, what do you think has been your favorite that you've been part of? Um. I, I love being in that trailer. The trailer set is so small and it the energy is so like there's not enough room for the energy. So it just feels really, really exciting. Um, uh, there's there's a scene coming up, I think, this season where where the three of us are in Matt's truck. Uh, and that was just so surreal because I'm in the middle seat and I've got Matt on one side and Kevin on the other and I just, I had a little bit of an out of body experience because I, I mean, I, I came up watching those guys right. on SNL and Friends and everything, and uh, I just had a moment where I kind of left my body and looked at the picture of me sitting between the two of them, and then I came back because they were in the middle of like making jokes together, and we were all having a blast, and I don't know, it's all it's all special, and I'm I'm very thankful for all of it. Well, they, they've been in the industry for a long time. Have they ever given you any, any advice on set? Yeah. I mean, you know what? what is actually so incredible about Matt is he – I mean, he's executive producer on the show too, but he's also the lead. So he's a million lines to learn. But he also knows 
everybody else's lines and what the what the important part of each scene is. And so he can see the show before it's taped. You know, he knows where things have to go and how to do it and where to stand. And he'll always be like, wait, turn your body a little bit this way. This is what you want to do. Yeah. And he'll just like give you just jewels of knowledge for free. And he'll, he'll just pass out stuff all the time. And, and it's in the, in the coolest way possible. That's awesome. So like in, in season three, your wife leaves you on the show. What were your thoughts about that? I, it made me very sad. <laughs> uh, I felt very bad for Lowell. That's another one where I was like, oh, this sad little guy. Uh, but it also comedically opens up a whole other direction for, for Lowell. And I was very excited at the uh, – idea of playing Lowell a little unhinged and because he's already he's already so emotional and he's already at a 10 uh such a massive life event would only dial that up further uh but I do remember the first time we see his his (laughs) the first time that they find out that that they've split up and that Adam goes to Lowell's apartment and it's just so bleak it's this like tiny little studio and it reminded me a lot of a apartment I used to live in, and it was just so sad. And we did the run through for the writers, and I played the scene for real, where this guy is like thrown out of his home, and he's got he's sleeping in his daughter's sleeping bag on the ground, and it was just so sad. And I played it as I as as it should be, yeah. like in real life, it's a sad situation. And then afterwards, uh, Matt and. Jeff and Jackie, the creators, came up and they were like, yeah, so uh, it's just way too sad. And I was like, yeah, I know. I could feel that. That was a terrible (laughs) – that was a sad moment for everybody and I know how to fix it. And then so that kind of really cemented this uh, unwavering positivity that Lowell has, which is way more fun in a comedy. So yeah, and it's funny, and it's funny how you mentioned like your character goes to a ten because recently there was an episode where your ex wife texts you and you thought right away, or your character thought right away that, oh, we're getting back together. Yeah, it's an instant <laughs> instant decision. Uh, he goes way past all the steps necessary to get to that decision, and uh, yeah, that's the most fun stuff. I mean, they just they always hand me something that I get to to run with, and and I'm lucky. So do, do you ever have input in your character with the writers? Uh, I, I actually try very hard to let them feel safe. Yeah. Um, I don't because I've seen actors that do go up to writers and really pitch their opinions or their ideas. Uh, and it and it is a very delicate balance. Um. And so I feel that I could, but I almost always try to just let them give me the information rather than me send it back. Because I also trust them much more than I trust myself um, for any of the big stuff. But every now and then when we're on set, I will pitch ideas. And especially during the week when we're rehearsing, the set is very open and it's all about getting the best product. So. Awesome. There have been times where I've pitched ideas and pitched lines or thoughts, or whatever, and then they've gotten in, and it's and it's been really fun. So you've been in the business for years now, like so. 
when you're going out for auditions and stuff like that, like, what do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy the self tape or auditioning in front of people? I, uh, I have friends that love self tapes and I hate it. I like having to go into a room and getting only one shot at it. Uh, because I feel like that is when my best self kind of activates. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm at home and it's up to me and whoever my friend who's kind enough to read with me is to get the best performance, then I go down the rabbit hole and I just, it's just, I have too many options. I like having to go in with a, with a plan and hitting it once and then going home and being done with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise I, I, I squeeze the life out of it, I think. So right before you're about to go and do a live audition, like, what do you do right before that? Like, I've had guests on, they say, like, you know, like, oh, I sit in the car for two hours and I listen to the radio. Other, other people say, I take a nap. You know, like, what's your thing? Uh, I try to pick a piece of music or, like, an album that I love and will give me whatever the proper emotional tone I need in the room is. So on my on my way there, I'll crank whatever album I think will help me the most. Hmm. Um, and then that's, that's kind of it. I mean, I kind of have a a pretty laid back approach to it because I think that I can only, I can only do what I think the right answer is. And if it's the right answer, then that's great because when it's time to work on the job, we've all agreed that this is what it is. But I, I, I always try to stay as close to what my initial take on the project was because then I know I can replicate that. But if I try to, if I try to figure out what I think that they think that they might want, then I always am a mess. So I try to just get calm, get in a good place and, and just go for it. Have you ever left an audition and you're like hours later, you're like, man, I should have done it this way. Or like, you know, you wake up in the middle of night just thinking about it. Yeah. Constantly. Uh, (laughs) That's, that's most auditions. Uh, it's it's very rare that I leave with like a pep in my step where I'm like, oh, look out bank account, here comes a gig. It's uh, it's very much like, what were you thinking? Do you ever like take notes like, okay, I'm not gonna do it like this next time, you know? Or yeah, yeah, I, I but that's and I've kind of refined a little bit of that stuff over the years where I'm like, okay, I know that that wasn't helpful for me before I went in the room. Or that this isn't good or this doesn't help me. So do this. Don't do this. Um, but once your adrenaline gets going, depending on what the situation is, it, that all can go out the window. So like, what kind of advice do you give to somebody that wants to get into the acting world? Um, I think that it is... Oh, I do know. Okay, this is my advice. Are you ready? Sorry, I had to find it. Uh, I, for me, I've discovered that there are very high highs and very low lows in this profession. But those peaks and valleys are far and few between. And the vast majority of your time is spent in your everyday life. So you have to make that your focus. You have to be in a place where you walk into an audition, you're good either way. Because if you go in and there's that 
desperation of like, I really need a job. I really need this. I re- I really need this to happen for my career. Like that energy is felt in the room, you know, but if you can go in and you can go into a place and say, I'm good no matter what happens because I'm taking care of myself outside of here, then I think you can become a very dangerous actor because you can do whatever's needed uh, emotionally or energetically and you're not just operating on this dire need for success or, or a booking or whatever you want to say. But I, I would say focus on you and what your day-to-day is. And you, you have to be happy in the in-between. How happy are you with your with your career? I'm I'm I am astounded at how fortunate I have been. And I am so thankful and so happy and I am excited to see what happens next and what 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 this thing is going to be yeah. uh but very much along the lines of of my taking my own advice like i i, I feel good man like, awesome. I, i'm happy and i'm i'm grateful and i'm just trying to make the most of whatever i got yeah. do you have like a dream role you want to play someday because i know you've like you've done a lot of like the comedy and stuff like that do you want to stick with comedy or do you see yourself doing like drama or action or uh you know what I would love? I would love to be in a Western. I would love to be in like a real deal Western. Uh, but I get nervous because my eyes are very sensitive to the sun. So I'd be, I would be looking like a knockoff Clint Eastwood, I think. I can see you being like a bartender in the Western. Yeah. Just like some like scrappy little guy. Right. Just look, you know, give me a vest and roll my sleeves up. Anything. <laughs> but big old, I can grow, I great, I grow a great mustache. So I'm ready. There you go. So, um, where do you see yourself 10, 20 years from now? Um, I hope to be doing acting jobs like I'm doing now, ones that I really love and am proud of. Uh, but I also hope to be writing and producing and maybe directing. Uh, I have such a love for all of those things. And I definitely find myself now, especially when we're in between seasons of the show, really focusing on those other elements. Uh, one of my best friends and I just started working on a project that we want to put together. We're starting to write a show. Um, and I would love to direct at some point. Uh, hopefully I'm lucky enough to find myself still in the industry with a lot of projects that I'm really proud of. That's great. Um, hey, real quick, have you finished filming Man with a Plan for the season since this whole quarantine thing started? Yeah, so we actually wrapped up just in December. Uh, so we finished production on season four before the holidays and then before any of this stuff hit. So we had a, we did 13 episodes this year, and they all were in the can before uh, everything shut down. That's great. I know, because I, I noticed last night when I was watching the latest episode, like they're airing like two at a time, and I was telling my wife, like, this needs to slow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we're we're going through them. I think they're trying to get them out while this like main season is still going. Because yeah. once summer officially hits, it all goes into reruns and the viewership kind of goes down because people are out and about. Um, so I think they're trying to get all the stuff that we have now out, especially because they're they're great episodes. So I think that they're excited for people to see them. I know that I am, and I know that the cast and the crew and everybody is. So that's great. Hey, uh, lastly, how can the listeners find you on social media? 
Uh, on social media, I'm on Instagram. If you like pictures of dogs and comic book panels, follow me at Matt Cook Took Picks. Uh, and that's P I C S, Matt Cook Took Picks. And then I'm on Twitter at Matt Cook Tweeted. Uh, and that is mostly me retweeting comic book art, uh, which, I, which I hope will brighten your day. And I think we could all use a little bit of brightening. That's so. right. That's right. Matt, yeah. this, was, this was great. Thank you for coming on. Dude, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I also, I want to say really quick, I did a film last year that we just started, we're trying to figure out how to get out, but it's called Film Fest, and it was a blast, and there's a ton of really funny people in it, and hopefully that's going to be able to be seen at some point soon. Um, but that's the other thing that I've been working on, and that I, I finally got to see it, and I'm very proud of it, and I play a different kind of character, and uh, a little more serious. I'm kind of the straight man in it, and oh, I have so many friends that are so funny that are all over it, and it's a blast. Where do you think we'll see that on a streaming platform? Yeah, probably the way things are going now. Yeah. Um, I, I hope so, but as soon as I have any information, I'm going to blast it out on social media, so that'll be the, the easiest way to find it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.